Welcome to Parent Q Live, brought to you from the team at Parent Q. Hey, friends and family, welcome back to another episode of Parent Q Live with your hosts, Carlos and Enrique Guzman Chibokabeo. That is just one host. And the second host is Kristen Ivy. And today we're talking about something that we all think a lot about at the beginning of a year. As we look to the year ahead, we all kind of like to do a little bit of reflection and say, who is it that you really want to be this year? Yeah. Maybe in your parenting, maybe in your relationships, maybe in your profession. Oftentimes it's in your own personal health. Yeah. Now, Carlos, absolutely. I know you have done some fitness challenges and some oh, coaching. I have. You should see my abs. <laughs> <laughs> that was why I brought this up. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah, feeling yeah. like, you know. Yeah. I have. I actually have done some of these challenges. What would you tell us about our goals? In this season of the year, oftentimes there are those of us who like to kind of be optimistic and goal setting and look to the future. And then sometimes there's the critic and the cynic that sure. says, why, that's all pointless. Nobody's going to accomplish any of those things anyway. Yeah, they and need to go to therapy. How do you feel about that? <laughs> you know, I, I, this is what I feel about it. I can, I can understand how the critic could say, because everybody's doing it, right? You see gym ne- memberships spike. And so like all my friends, you never want to go to your local gym the first two weeks of the year. By week three, it's back to normal because it's true. People have a hard time sticking to goals, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't make them. And the, the only way, honestly, to accomplish anything in life is to, is to set a goal, put it in front of you and chase after. And what I've seen through a lot of these fitness challenges that I've done are people that have been consistently stuck not being able to lose weight, not being able to get healthy, whatever their health concern is, uh, they're able to do it not only with a goal, but with a goal with community kind of wrapped around it. And so something I've seen that's really been helpful and beneficial is not to set up resolutions alone, but kind of do it in a group. Let mm-hmm. other people be involved. And when that happens, I'm, I'm, I don't know what the statistics are, but I know that you accomplish a lot more. And to give you a little bit of community around you and support you in your goals, we wanted to go ahead and share some of our goals with each other at the beginning of the year. And so we've asked you guys, what are some of your New Year's resolutions? Here's what you said. Yes, I uh, would like to start learning how to play guitar. I've always wanted to learn to play a musical instrument, so this is the year to do it. My goal this year is to set aside more time for the things that make me a better follower of Jesus, a wife, and a mom. My New Year's resolution is to live in the moment. So we just adopted a 9-year-old and 11-year-old girl. So our New Year's resolution as a married couple is one day at a time. We've got some great wisdom from lots and lots of people who have done this before, and that's what they say will make this work and not make us too flooded. So it is one day at a time, which I know sounds a little simplistic, but it has been revolutionary. So there you go. My New Year's resolution is to carve out more intentional time with my husband this year. We have two kids and another on the way, and it seems like most days are just about surviving and him doing his job and me doing mine and everyone working together for the greater good of the family and um, not taking that intentional time to really remember why we fell in love and why we got married and started on this crazy journey to begin with. So my goal for this year is to show my husband why I love him on a regular basis and to carve out that intentional time. So to help us out with this conversation, we couldn't think of a better friend 
to have on Parent Q Live than our good friend John Acuff. For those of you guys that don't know who John Acuff is, he's a New York Times bestselling author of six books, including his most recent Wall Street Journal number one bestseller, Finish, Give Yourself the Gift of Done, which you're correct. That's why we're having him on the podcast to help us with some goal setting. John is really, really good at goal setting. And John is also just a really good friend of mine. And I'm really excited about the conversation that Kristen Ivey and John Acuff had. Sit back and enjoy. So, John, you did a whole project on finish, which is how we accomplish our goals. Why do people set goals to begin with? Well, I think they set them in a, for a number of reasons. Um, it might be that somebody they know had a negative experience and they thought, you know what, I'm on that same path. And if I don't make some changes, I'm going to end up right there. Sometimes, you know, we just came out of Thanksgiving. Maybe you spent some time with family members and said, whoa, like, I want to be careful. Or maybe you have a friend that made a mistake and you go, I want to do that differently, especially with parenting. You can see you know, parenting styles. Maybe there's somebody who has a 20 year old who's 10 years older than your kid. And you go, man, like I want to be careful about that situation. And I want to start the conversation now. So sometimes it's that, sometimes it's that you used to feel a certain way and you want to feel that way again. Hmm. And you said, you know what? I used to have more peace in my life or less stress, or I felt better. I want to lose a couple pounds. Um, I think there's a lot of positive reasons people start goals. I think there's negative ones too, where they think it's going to fix them. Um, or they've bought into a lot of the media message of bigger, better, faster, smarter. You can do it all. You should have it all. You know, it'll be instant. Like I saw an ad, like an ad the other day for turbo keto, I guess if regular keto is not fast enough, turbo keto, you know, and you just go, <laughs> that seems like too aggressive. Right. I don't. You know, like regular keto is difficult. I don't need turbo keto. Um, but I think there's this general sense of, I want something to be different tomorrow than it is today. And I want to figure out a way to make that happen. And when it's a good goal, you actually enjoy doing it. Hmm. The problem is most Americans think a goal has to be difficult to count. So how do you determine whether a goal is a good goal or maybe not a great goal? Well, I think you say, well, what do I hope this delivers me? Um, what do I hope is the consequence of doing this? Um, for me, for instance, I wanted to run a half marathon. Um, and I wanted to run it because I've run them before. I know like, I know mile 11, I'm going to be like, I hate this. This was so dumb. Why did these people let me sign up for these? But I knew that by mile 13, I would be glad I did it. And I would love the endorphins of it. And I would love that it would give me something to train toward. I think a huge part of goals is understanding how your personality matches up with that. So an instant sign of a bad goal is when it doesn't match who you are. Mm. So you go, okay, I'm not a very detailed person, but my new goal is I'm gonna track every penny, every calorie, <laughs> how much sleep I get. I'm gonna track a thousand things. And every other part of your life has screamed at you, no, 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 you. You feel restricted. You feel confined. That feels like jail to you. Your soul is going to like fight that as hard as you can. And you go, I don't care. It has to be this way. I think a sign of a good goal is where it's not so extreme. It cripples you right out of the gate, but it's motivating enough that you actually do it. And it matches your personality where you go, okay, I can accomplish this. It's something I care about. It fits who I am. I'm going to actually do it. Now, at the beginning of the year, a lot of people like to set goals. And I think there's kind of two camps, the goal setters and then sometimes the skeptics of the goal setters who like to sit back and cross their arms and look on and go, 
nah, I'm not even going to set a goal because it would never happen. Nobody ever finishes their goals. I'm not even going to bother. What would you say to a skeptic? I really think there's, there's three categories of people. There's people that are automatically good at it. My wife doesn't need a book about goal setting. Like we went to a goal conference once and she was like, all of this is obvious. Like this is, and I was taking notes. I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) And she was like, I just do this naturally. Um, there's people that are great at it because they're highly disciplined. They have a head that works for this. The second group, um, are people that are skeptics. They're too cool for goals. They think goals are dumb or they've had a bad experience with it and they feel like it's motivational fluff. It's the unicorn on Instagram. It's the, like the universe conspires to help you when you want something and you're like, no, it doesn't. And then there's a third group, um, which is my favorite group of people, which is people who have tried and realized it's hard and are willing to get some help. And that's where I, I get to step in with those people. So to the skeptics, um, usually what I say is like, that's fine. It's, and it's not for you. Hmm. But when life does teach you that you're stuck somewhere and you want, like now you recognize, okay, I won't just naturally become better. Like hmm. take marriage for an example. Marriage doesn't naturally evolve to better, closer, more intimate, more connected, deeper, more honest. Like that's not how anyone on the planet naturally goes just organically where you're like, I've never met somebody that the way I like to say it sometimes is that we don't naturally do things that are good for us. Hmm. I've very rarely met people that go, yeah, I was going to try to watch some TV. I looked up, I was, I was doing lunges. Like I was, <laughs> I was just working out. Like I was doing sit-ups and I meant to binge watch. And all of a sudden, like I've never met somebody that said, we had this container of ice cream in our house and I was thinking about it all day, but then I ended up eating broccoli. Yeah. Like a lot of superfoods <laughs> instead. Like we don't like lean that way. So I think a good goal, whether you're skeptic or not, can say this thing that you're interested in, a goal will help you get closer to that. Hmm. Like whether that's better parenting, whether that's to take a trip, whether that's to lose a couple pounds, whether that's to write a book. You know, like hmm. this, the thing I don't like is that 81% of Americans, according to the New York Times, want to write a book and less than 1% do. So that means every year we miss statistically around a quarter billion books a year from people that on some level desire to do that. And when you carry a desire around you're not acting on, that is a greenhouse for shame. Hmm. And so I like to have a goal come in there and go, no, 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 no. Shame doesn't get to take root. And sometimes it's just admitting you don't really want to do it. Like the freedom of admitting you don't want to do the thing is a powerful, unexpected thing to be released from that. I did a comedy night. my first time, and it was at a comedy club. It said I want to do it for 10 years. I loved it. I worked my butt off on a 60-minute set. Like, it was such an amazing experience. But I realized I don't want to be a full-time comedian. And I don't feel shame about that. And if anything, I feel released from the thought, I could do that someday. Like, I love what I get to do. I love that I get to speak with Orange. I love that I get to speak with companies. I love that I get to infuse humor there. I'm not meant to be a full-time comedian. And I know that because I tried that goal, and I'm released from that. And I think sometimes we forget that that's a power unto itself. Wow. And now you made a distinction too in you've kind of said the process of getting to the goal itself needs to be something that kind of matches with your personality. Because I can think of, you know, a hundred things that I might want as a goal for myself and half of those I don't actually want to do, which is kind of, I think what you're saying, like, I want to have run a half marathon. I'm not sure I really want to run one. Sure. And those are two kind of different things. Yeah, they're, they're very different. Um, or I want to have written a book or I want to have started a company. And then you go, 
Well, here's what starting a company really looks like. Right. Um, you have to manage people a lot. And it's usually, it's usually for a period of time, you get to do the thing you love the most less because you're building a business to hopefully get to someday get to do the thing more. And mm. so you, it's fine to say, no, that doesn't match who I am. Um, you know, I think there's, there's, I always go back to like, there's weird things that motivate us. And when we find them, we should own them and increase them. So an example of that would be, I wanted to stop driving with my phone um, in the car. Like I wanted to stop being on my phone. And I knew like partly because my daughter um, is 15 and we're teaching her how to drive and you're a huge hypocrite as a parent. If for 16 years of their life, you use your phone and then year 16, you're like, hey, don't do this. This thing I've shown you <laughs> for 16 years is now suddenly bad for you. Right. And so like the wrong goal setting there is me going, you know what? Doing it for my kids, that'll be enough. Like mm. that's enough for me. I'll just the nobility of that and doing it as a parent. Like that sounds so great and in a perfect world that would drive me enough. Like, but that's not, that's not honest. Mm -hmm. What's honest is I like to be, I like to have things like a checklist. I like to be, have a little reward to motivate me. So I went to the bank and I got um, $500 coins. Like I ordered a box of them. They don't have that much metal on hand because <laughs> who needs that? They all come around you when you pick it up. Like there's the weird pirate guy um, with his box of metal. And so now every time I drive, I have a roll of coins in my car right now. I drove down um, to Orange today. If I drive and I don't use my phone, I get a dollar coin in a mason jar back home. So I know today, so I'll, I'll just tell you how the day went. Um, I drove to the dentist, that's one coin. I drove from the dentist to 30, 40 miles to gas, that's another coin. Drove from gas to lunch, that's another coin. Drove to orange, that's four coins. Like I'm jet, like is $4 a lot of money? It's, it's really not. Is it also <laughs> my money? My wife was like, you know you're not earning money. You went to the bank and turned paper money into metal money, and then you're gonna give yourself back that metal money and probably go back to the bank and turn it into paper money. It's this weirdo circle of life. And but it's what motivates you. I'm, um, I think, 310 coins in. I haven't driven with my phone in 310 trips. And so now to use it feels weird. Hmm. Like, I can't imagine, like, especially driving to Atlanta, like over Chattanooga, like, there's things I miss if I'm not careful. Like there's wow. tires in the road and I go, I can't believe I used to spend so much time on the phone answering texts or whatever. So for me, a lot of people listening, that won't help them at all because they're not wired the same way. So the goal is like to add self-awareness to your goal so that you know, like, I know it's mm -hmm. weird for you, but for me it works. Mm -hmm. Like, and here's why it works. And that's what I like to help people figure out is what works for you. Now that we, you still have to have some of the same things of like, there's action involved, there's day to day, you want to check things off a list. Like, I think there's some common things, but the more you can plug into what works for you, the better. So if you're coaching some people right now and saying, here's how you get to finish, here's how you accomplish your goals. Is it all tapping into motivation or is there another magic bullet to finishing the goal that you've set for yourself? Well, I think one of the magic bullets is honesty. Um, I think it's, we have to add a lot of words we don't expect to add when we say the word goal. When you say goal, people go discipline, hustle, willpower, grind, sacrifice, and they name all these terribly not fun words. And then they're, wor they're surprised they stopped the unfun thing. Hmm. Um, so I think one word is honesty of, do I want to do it? If I don't, that's fine. Um, can I accomplish it in the time frame? Like, hmm. or is this, 
dishonestly optimistic. I'm gonna. I've, I haven't written in ten years. I'm gonna write a whole book in January. That's that's not honest. I've and, had people in my life tell me I'm a time optimist. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's and that's a thing. Like there's right. this there's this tension where like right. it's good, but it can be bad. Right. Um, I can do all these things in a day. Yeah, and you go no, not no, really. Um, no. And so, and then I think another huge thing is um, kindness and forgiveness. Mm. To forgive yourself when it doesn't go perfectly because it's not going to. Like the first chapter and um, finish is called The Day After Perfect. Hmm. And it's about making peace with that because people think it's not going to come and it comes so much faster than you think. And so being okay that it's not perfect, like knowing that like I didn't say I've done 310 trips in a row because wow. I haven't. There's been like if I'm in a city and I'm speaking and I now fly with a GPS, like that's how hardcore I'm into this goal of not using my phone. But sometimes the GPS is in a rental car parking lot and is like, can't find a satellite and my phone GPS works like, and I've got to go four miles. I'm going to map the four miles. Like I'm not going to sit in the parking lot lost because of a stupid coin. So it's not perfect. Right. But I forgive myself for that. And I, I try again. Like that is such a big part of actually continuing the goal. So for me, another one would be, I try to run five miles four or five times a week, but there's days where it doesn't work. Like tomorrow, we're going to meet um, in the morning. So I'm probably going to try to get up early and run three miles. Now, old school me would say it's either five or none. Five or none has to be perfect. Like, But I'd rather run three than none. Mm. And I forgive myself that mm. three isn't the same as five. But guess what? Three is so much more than zero. So I think a big part of people who actually finish is this continual forgiveness, this continual kindness, wow. this continual grace you give to yourself during the goal. How does this idea of kindness toward yourself and forgiveness towards yourself apply when maybe the goal setting is related to addiction? Well, I mean, now you get into things that um, are more serious and you need bigger, broader help. Um, you know, if somebody said to me, I'm, I'm an alcoholic trying to, to beat this, I wouldn't say, well, just read my book, you'll be fine. I'd say, you might, you know, AA might be amazing. Uh, Celebrate Recovery might be amazing. You need, you need a broader set of tools. But at the same time, I'd also say that, you know, part of, I, I do some work um, with an addiction center and they say, you know, relapse is a part of recovery. It's not relapse is the failure and the end of recovery. It's a part of recovery. So you don't like, you talk about a time when you need kindness, like relapse is when you need kindness. And that's part of why, you know, if you're part of AA, it's built on that so that when you mess up, you get to come back and go, I had two years sober going and I messed up and I, I really messed up over a long weekend and now I'm back and I've got one day. And they don't go, well, you're a failure. Hmm. You've ruined your streak. They say, congrats on your one day. Like, wow. And your second day is going to be amazing mm -hmm. and your third day. And so, yeah, I think, I mean, you don't build in, you don't build in the, the, um, the collapses on purpose, you build in the forgiveness. Hmm. So it's not, I get to fail and that's fine. It's if I fail and it's more likely when, unless from here on out, I'm perfect. Um, I remember there was a counselor um, that was, I was talking to about a married couple and the married, uh, the, the, the wife had said, told my husband, if he looks at porn again, I'm leaving him. And the counselor said, well, do you feel like coveting is a sin as well? She was like, yeah. And he said, well, will you promise your husband that if you see a car you want or something another wife has and you want that, that he can, he can leave? Can you go ahead and say like, cause what you're saying is from here on out, like he's perfect. 
And so like, I think that's a really dangerous position Mm. to be in. Mm. Um, And again, it's not that you plan to fall, it's that you plan to forgive and pick up Mm. and try new tools and try new things. Like, but it's not the idea of like, perfectionism is one of the worst things for your goals. Wow. As you were writing Finish and talking about how somebody gets to accomplishing the goal that they've set for themselves, what did you discover along the way that maybe surprised you? I think the biggest surprise was the role and importance of fun in a goal. Um, as I mentioned, people tend to think a goal has to be difficult to count. So let's take exercise. I'll meet people that say, I'm going to start running. And I'll go, oh, it's great. Do you like running? They go, no, I hate it. That's how I know it's good for me. <laughs> um, or they, you know, they pick... They make a list of terrible foods that are good for you. And they go, I'm just only going to eat these. And, or even like smart goals, which are probably the most popular corporate set of goal setting tools we've used over the last 50 years. And I, I like them. I'm fine with them. But it stands for specific, measurable, achievable, or attainable, realistic, and time bound. That your goal should be all those. It should be measurable. And those words are fine. Just there's not a single one of them that is remotely related to joy or fun. And so we studied that and we asked people in this, you know, and, and finish, I wrote finish with a PhD named Mike Peasley. Um, he was at the University of Memphis at the time. And we did this six month study of nearly 900 people that come up with the data set for this. And we asked people in the study, make what you do fun. And people that did, um, and there's really two things you measure when you look at any kind of life principle, you measure satisfaction and performance. A good principle raises both. If I only raise your satisfaction, but not your performance, you're smiling all the way to last place. If I only raise your performance, but not your satisfaction, you're every rich, miserable person you've ever met. Like if you've ever met somebody who has everything you think they'd ever want, but they're really unhappy, it's because they only cared about performance and they never thought about satisfaction. Like they cared about the performance part, but not the hard part. So we found that people who make what they do fun um, were 31% more satisfied which is so obvious though. It's like saying eating ice cream is more fun than eating vegetables. But the crazy thing was they were 46% more successful. So it Hmm. actually has a direct ROI. And when you think about it, of course, the Hmm. things you enjoy doing, you'll do more often. Now the pushback to this idea should be, well, yeah, that's great in a perfect world where everything is fun. But I'm not saying have fun. I'm saying make it fun. We've done this next generation a great disservice by saying, chase your dream, follow your passion. It'll always be a mad, like magical. And when it's not, you should quit. That's not true. A lot of parts of your goal are going to suck. Like they're going to be difficult. Parts of my job are hard. Like there's things I do that I don't like to do in order to do the things I love to do because they're related. So the goal there is to figure out deliberate ways to add fun, especially to things that aren't naturally or inherently fun. Which is a great turning point because the next thing I wanted to talk about is as we're talking to parents specifically, we're going to need to apply some of this goal setting maybe in our parenting. And a lot of times, a lot of the things you've mentioned, exercise or uh, professional goals or things like that. Talk to us a little bit about how goal setting applies to your family life. Yeah, well, first and foremost is that most people don't think of family life having goals. Um, Even people who are high performing in the workplace that have KPIs and quarterly goals and tracking and success metrics. And then you go, what are your goals for your parenting? They go, that'd be good. They're like, my kids would know I love them. Like (laughs) there's these squishy, like organically happening goals, like like revolving and resolving like jazz. Like, Mm. and I think that it's, 
it's really important to have some parenting goals. I think they need to be to not be a perfect parent. The problem is we swing from not having any goals to like, I got to have perfect parent goals or I got to, I got to go take my daughter on 42 dates a year. And you go, well, are you even in town that often? Like you have business travel. <laughs> like, does she even want to do that? Like then it becomes this mechanical thing. So I think that one of the big benefits about having a goal as a parent, one, it really teaches you what's going on in your family. Hmm. And two, just having the goal reinforces to your kids that they matter, that hmm. you're important. Hmm. Like the idea of saying, okay, we're going to try to do, and it could be at like, a big singular goal. Okay. When you turn 13, we get to go on a fun weekend trip with just dad. Like, mm -hmm. and that's a big long-term goal. You're 10, that's three years away, but we'll talk about it. We'll plan it. It can be a more specific goal of, okay. Um, we play Skippo on power Monday, which is in, in Tennessee is a Monday where school starts like an hour later. And so I take McCray. We played yesterday. I crushed her because she needs to learn. <laughs> um, she is beating me four to three overall. She just got a bad hand yesterday. Um, but that's one of our goals. And it's not like, it doesn't have to be super specific. It doesn't have to, I don't have an Excel spreadsheet. Like you measure it the way you want to measure it, but you try to figure that out. And then like another goal can be one you work on with your spouse, a goal about attitude. Um, we want our kids to be grateful kids, so we're gonna reinforce that with these kind of principles. Um, or we want our kids to not be bullies. So we have set the goal as a parent so that when they say something like, oh, I was on a group chat and we are all making fun of so-and-so because he wore the craziest thing today, and if we go, was he on that group chat? No, well then you're bullying him. Like, you don't know it, but you're, like, that's what, and you were part of that, that's not what, you know, and we have an attitude goal. So. Mm -hmm. I think there's a thousand different places you can look at goals, but I think there's so many benefits just to have the conversation with your spouse or if you're a single parent with a friend um, to say like, hey, here's this, going through this challenging situation, like I don't know what tools I want to, you know, my kids struggles with anxiety. I'm trying to give them three tools because mm -hmm. I want them to have those tools as they grow up because it's only going to get more anxious. Like if they're anxious in the fourth grade, like because of fourth grade, like college applications like i want them to have three tools to handle anxiety by the time they're a sophomore wow. and i've got x amount of years to practice that so when you talked about fun i couldn't help but think about parenting goals and applying those to parenting there's a lot of things that we do as parents that aren't naturally fun like there's very few parents that would go you know what i really just i thrive on cutting grapes into four pieces so that my toddler doesn't fall, you know, fall apart and throw a tantrum. So how do you make something fun when maybe it isn't naturally fun? Well, I think you also, it's age appropriate in the sense of like you, you know, a two-year-old, if you're going, hey, here's a long-term character goal we're working on today is also like, and I use the bathroom in my pants. Well, then maybe, <laughs> maybe this isn't the best time to do a long-term detailed, like, Maybe it has to be age appropriate. So an example of that would be like cleaning up is not fun. Like mm -hmm. there's no kid that's like, this is amazing. I love to do it. It's like Mary Poppins. I mean, my kids do. They yeah. they thrive on it. Sure. In fact, I'm they sure do they like do. I've seen perfect your... corners on their. Get out of here. <laughs> I've seen videos of your kids. Their hair is always crazy. You know exactly what video I'm talking about. Um, and you swear you combed her hair that day, but I swear you didn't that week. But we can we digress. <laughs> But like an example of that would be, we used to do, um, we called it kind of like house cleaning hurricane, where we would try in 30 minutes, we'd set a timer. Our kids were, I think, six and four. 
we would turn on Ray Charles super loud, like a huge party, like really loud in the house. And we would all try to go as fast as we could to clean as many things as we could in the house. And it was only 30 minutes and it was, we played music, but it was something that wasn't inherently fun, but we did it together as a family and we really tried to focus on it. And we said, but what's interesting is your kids, even things that are fun at certain ages aren't fun later. Like I was, it's, you know, we were recording this around Christmas and I uh, was thinking about that the other day. My kids, it used to be, they're like, this is so magical to put the ornaments on the tree. The other day, one of my kids is like, I said, hey, you guys are going to put the ornaments on. She was like, well, my sister better help because she did not <laughs> last year. So now it's a chore. Like now they're looking at even something that, so part of it is watching that and going, okay, I'm not going to force that. Like we're going to do these things and we're going to be fun about them. But it's also not dishonest. It's got to change as your kids are changing, evolve as your kids change. evolve. It also has to be honest. Like I don't, I've never liked when a manager forces fake fun on me. <laughs> and I go like, and it feels like an HR, we're doing like a trust fall. And they're oh. like, isn't this amazing? Like, and you're like, no, it's forced and it's fake. And it's not honest to who we are. And yeah. so it has to match the kid too. Like yep. you talk about the challenge of parenting. As soon as you have a second kid, you realize, oh, they come to the planet with their own brains and personalities and skills and weaknesses. And the more I can understand that and play to that, the easier it is for things to not be crazy. I had a moment where I took a lesson from you. It didn't work in my house, so I'll just confess this to you. You, you told us about something that sounded amazing where you would motivate your girls by paying them a dollar if they couldn't find something. So it was like if the person who can find the thing that is lost will get a dollar, and that motivated them, and then they go do that. And I, I took that into my home and said to my kids when my middle child had lost her shoes, hey, whoever finds the shoes, they get a dollar. And instantly... My oldest child just takes off running to go find the shoes and she looks up and goes, great. It goes back to playing like he's motivated to go get them. I don't have to look for my I shoes. Have to look for them. I mean, it See, was like but, done. But the reverse is even better. Like we'll say to kids, if you looked for something and you told me you can't find it and I know you spent 30 seconds and didn't really look, if I find it, I you owe me money. And they <laughs> like, you talk about like, cause people are more motivated by the potential loss of a thing depending on the kid. Yeah. So like Hensley my kids, could care less. if I say to my daughter, <laughs> if I find your coat, you owe me $5. She goes, you know what? I'm going to take one more look through the room right yeah. b before I do that. And then like I paid her $5 the other day because the thing we said was in her room was That's not, funny. it was in our luggage like a week ago. And so I That's think funny. you kind of tailor it to yeah. the kid. And it's the same with like parenting an extrovert versus an introvert. Yep. You, you tell an extrovert, like you're in trouble, you have to come inside, you can't play with your friends and go to your room alone, that hurts. You tell an introvert, they're like, oh no, be by <laughs> myself and read a book in my room? What torture, like you throw them in the briar patch, it doesn't work. Yep. So John, one of the things we like to do at ParentQ is leave parents with one thing that they could do this week that will help kind of raise the bar on their parenting, their relationship with their kid, so as we think about goal setting and our ability to finish our goals or accomplish our goals, what would you tell a parent they could do this week? Well, I think this week they could say to their spouse or a friend, if they're a single parent, um, what are some goals I'd want for our family this year um, or this month? Like I, I really push back on trying to go, I have to figure out like the deep meaning and the true north. Like there's this great temptation to get lost in that. And that feels overwhelming to me. So I'm not saying like go find, you know, the perfect plan for your parenting. Like 
But if you said to your, you know, spouse or a friend or somebody who's in your life, maybe a small group leader, what, what do you think would be good goals for our family this month, this mm-hmm. week, this year? And sometimes the goal, if we're honest, is I just want to get to bedtime. Like the finish line <laughs> of bedtime, that's enough. Like there's days when that goal is almost impossible and it's enough and, and you should celebrate that. Like that's a fine goal. But just starting that conversation to say, Okay, we don't have to have it all figured out, but we're going to even use the word goal around our parenting and around our kids, and we're then going to talk to them about that, and it's going to become part of our vernacular, and we can apply that in any way we want. It could be a character goal. It can be a specific goal. It can be a vacation goal. I mean, it like you could have a goal. We um, bought our kids walking sticks because we like to go camping and hiking, and I swear to you, we owned them for three years and always forgot them. Like every camping trip, we'd get out into the woods and be like, Ugh, and they've been in our garage. So we set a goal. I like, we set a goal the last time we camped, the next time we camp, we're bringing those hiking sticks. And me, my wife and my youngest daughter were all, as we got ready to camp, we're like, where are those sticks? Where are those sticks? <laughs> like, that's a silly thing, but it, it connects us in conversation. And it connects us in, in checking a box together and going, okay, we're doing things together, we're camping, but we're also, sometimes the goal is improving on um, last time, next time. Mm-hmm. So you go, hey, like imagine this conversation, you're driving away from Thanksgiving with your family, you go, hey, what, what could have been different? Like, what would you mm-hmm. do different? Like, what would you, would we go earlier? Would we go later? Like, would you bring a different dish? Like what, mm-hmm. you know, what about that? If you could make that 5% different, like, what would you do? And it gives you this ability to say, number one, like we all shouldn't experience, let's reflect on it. But two, you have the power to change things. Like even teaching your kids that you have the power to fix a situation that you'd want to be a little different is a huge thing to help them not get stuck. So that you want them junior year, if they're in a circle of friends that are just not good for them and not encouraging and it's toxic, that they have the power to go, yeah, I guess what? Guess who gets to change this? Like, I get to change this. It doesn't mean it's easy. doesn't mean it's fast, but I have that ability. So that's what I would say. I would encourage parents. The cue I'd give them is just introduce the word goal into a conversation with somebody that you do parenting with and say, what are, what are our goals this month? Like, what are our, you know, and like Jenny and I, a goal for a long road trip when we had young kids was not to kill each other. Like we would say at the beginning, not our kids, each other. Um, they'd live, they'd raise themselves on the side of the highway. Um, we would say at the beginning of the trip, hey, we're going to love each other at the end of this. Like, we're about to do some stuff. We're about to go through some stuff, but we're in this. Like, our goal is that no matter what happens in this car, in this <laughs> thunderdome of videos and snacks and maps, like, we had kids when you had to have, like, a physical map. Um, we're going to love each other at the end. That was enough of a goal so that you could hold on to that promise and go, okay, like we're going to do this. Like, and there's different versions of that when you have check, teenagers, check. There's different versions when you have young kids. So episode, I think just Johnny introducing Gough. that as a question, what are good? our goals is a good, okay. good place to start. We hope you enjoyed that conversation with John Acuff, especially as we all get started on this new year and have new goals. We hope that you can have some conversations about goals in your own house with your kids as they get a little bit older or even just between you and those who are helping you in this parenting season of life. 
Don't forget to head over to our show notes for this episode at theparentq.org. We on the ParentQ team are so appreciative of you guys as a part of our community, as we parent together, as we continue to work week after week on ways that we can improve our parenting um, to give our kids a better future. Thank you for being in this community, for listening to the podcast. If it's helped you parent your kid or it's been helpful to inspire you and remind you why you do what you do, please share it with some of your friends. Um, We would love to just grow our community of leaders and parents together so that we can continue to learn along with you guys. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week.